This is Ren Reznikov, and you are listening to episode 121, Who's on Top? And welcome back to episode 121 of the Who's on Top podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Fox. We have so much to get to an action-packed NFL trade deadline, some NBA talk, some World Series talk, and of course, some stupid Before we get into all of that, we got to introduce our analyst, being impatient up in Syracuse. You know him. You love him. The cutie, Jacob Kasdan. What's up, guys? You know, it's going to be a great episode. Super, super action-packed. A lot of to talk about. This should be a great one. And as always, excited to talk some sports. A lot of only some of it stupid. And Ellis, we just made a monster deal in our fantasy football league. You want to talk about it? Yes, peace in the Middle East at last. Uh, me and Foxy made a trade that I didn't think was be possible, but cooler heads prevailed. Fox didn't try to rip me off. I didn't try to rip him off. And good trade. I gave him A.J. Brown and uh, Tyler Algier in a fourth and a fifth. And he gave me a first, a second, and a, and a Chris Olave. So happy yeah, to do business with you. Fox was just trying to keep up with... Uh this masterclass that I, I've been forming with my team. I thought it was pretty fair trade. I don't think I ripped you off. Okay, I think was, Fox kind of wants. I think Algier is a good, a good piece to have too. No, I, I didn't care about Algier. I just wanted a running back. It's all good. It's going to be a dog fight for the title. And speaking of dog fights, let's kick off the tip off. Doop, doop. And we'll start with the MLB, the world series, Phillies, Astros, and the Phillies came back miraculously in game one. They were down five, nothing against Justin Verlander was never blown a five-run lead in his career. That's over. Phillies come back tight. Rumuto wins it in the 10th with a homer. Second game, the Astros jump all over Zach Wheeler, and they cruise to a 5-2 victory. Game three is happening right now, and the Phillies have a 4-0 lead. Bryce Harper in his first his first World Series at bat at Citizens Bank Park was a long two-run shot out home, and Brandon Marsh added home runs of their own. So we'll see. What's going on? But we, we do know is Citizens Bank Park is a madhouse. Oh, the Kansas City Royals hired a new manager, Matt Cartraro. I believe I'm saying that right. Hopefully I am. He was the Rays bench coach. So hopefully he brings all of that Mickey Mouse magic over to Kansas City because, you know, they need it. They're a good team in a Mickey Mouse because they don't hit a lot of home runs. They get a lot, a lot of speed, a lot of cheap singles. The White Sox, thank you. They hired a new manager. They actually took it from the Royals, the White Sox new manager, will be replacing Tony La Russa, who had to step down due to the health concerns. It was kind of a show there. But the White Sox are now going to hire Pedro Griffel, a longtime coach with the Royals. And he's going to be the head of the White Sox. So two AL Central teams naming new managers in the same day. Exciting, exciting stuff. For more exciting stuff, let's go to college football with BDK. Yeah, very exciting week in college football, week nine. The first rankings of the college football playoffs did come out tonight. We'll get to that later. But first, a quick recap of the top 25 week nine scores. NC State just etched out a win over Virginia Tech 22-21 in the ACC matchup. Utah handled, handled Washington 21-17. Unfortunately, Syracuse lost in their game 41-24 a bad game, you know, our quarterback was hurt. He had a concussion. He kept playing the game and things got a little bit out of hand. Uh, Ohio State, Penn State, great game in Happy Valley. Ohio State took an easy dub, 44-31. TCU, the, the best offense in college football based on the numbers, etched out a win over Virginia, over West Virginia, 41-31. And in the only matchup where both teams were ranked this week, Kansas State shut 13th, Kansas State shut out 18th, Oklahoma State. 48-0 in a surprising trounce. UCF etched out a win over Cincinnati, 25-21. Oregon in the Pac-12 took on California and got a dub there. Louisville destroyed 20th-ranked Wake Forest. Kind of surprising there. Georgia got off to a slow start against Florida, but as we know, the dogs, they're going to be some dogs, dude. They're going to destroy them. They won 42-22. Tommy DeVito in Illinois. Very impressive season so far. They won 26-9 over Nebraska. Tennessee, the new number one team in the country. 44 to 6 over unranked Kentucky. Also in the Pac 12, USC, 45 37 over Arizona, high scoring affair. Michigan, Michigan State, we all know some, some pretty bad things happened after that game, but it was all good for Michigan winning 29 to 7 
Uh, Mississippi edged out a win over Texas A&M, 31-28. And UNC and UCLA beat Pittsburgh and Stanford, respectively. And to wrap up the college football segment, it's going to go through the top 10 of the first college football playoff rankings from today. Just happened to air Tuesday night, two hours ago. Number one, Tennessee, 8-0. Two, Ohio State, also 8-0. Georgia, 3-8-0. Four is Clemson, 8-0. Five, Michigan, 8-0. Six, Bama, 7-1. Seven, TCU, kind of. We all know their, their schedule is a little easier, but they have the best offense in football. So they're seventh, eight and zero. Oregon, seven and one again. They're eighth. USC is ninth and seven and one, and six and two. LSU at ten. You know, honestly, I, I I just think LSU they're not a contender at all. But um, it definitely helps putting them in the top ten to improve the the ratings for their for their game against Alabama this weekend. Um, some other notable teams: Kansas State made it in the top twenty-five. Syracuse number twenty, so you know, always good to see there. But um, should be a great end to the season. There are some fantastic games this week, and uh, it should be a great week of college football. Ellis, what's um, up? I just wanted to bring it back to Ohio State Penn State game because with eight minutes left, Penn State actually led by one, and they completely collapsed. Two touchdowns in under a minute, and then another touchdown shortly after in the next two minutes. And all of a sudden, there's a blowout. So Penn State, just doing Penn State things, collapsing. And thank you for not mentioning Rockers this week. But let's <laughs> talk about the undefeated Ithaca Bombers. No one cares. Nobody cares. With a nail-biting 13-10 win over RIT. Now they got to travel to the Thunderdome, a.k.a. Union, before the matchup we all want to see. Cortland, Ithaca, Yankee Stadium. I'll be there. I'll be in the press box calling the halftime show. It will be a grand old time. And oh, you'll look, be at the you'll be in the Yankee Stadium press box. That's cool. I will be in the Yankee Stadium press box. We'll have a grand old time watching my Ithaca Bombers, the only team that has a shot at some sort of championship out of our three teams. It's gonna be crazy. It's a, the fans are getting into it. It's gonna be a raucous atmosphere. Let's go back to Jacob for some NBA action. Yeah, so some quick news before we get into the teams itself. Steve Nash was fired by the Brooklyn Nets today, and we all knew it was coming. His team was not performing well. And some other news, not, not confirmed yet, but Ime Udoka is the favorite to go to the Nets. It was absolutely just a terrible, terrible move by the Nets. Just looks bad, but obviously he's a great coach, and I think he's going he's gonna to flip that team around. But a terrible a publicity move, just bad. Um, on to the NBA itself. The Bucs look unbeatable. They're 6-0. They're dominating everyone. Giannis is putting up some ungodly numbers. The Sixers are heating up. They've got three wins in a row. Harden's averaging 30-plus points per game. Um, man, the Charlotte Hornets, they're really struggling without their point guards. They're three and four. Terry Rozier has been injured, and Lamella Ball is still out. So when they come back, they're going to flip things around. The Spurs continue to play well out of the Western Conference. You know, uh, They're five and two. They're playing good basketball, but probably not going to hold up. The Warriors, one of the, the early struggles of the year, uh, they're ranked in the bottom half of offensive and defensive efficiency, and um, they're currently three and four. But um, early in the season, Kawhi, unfortunately, he's hurt again, out, out for a week, and who knows where Kawhi's going to go with these injury woes. But on to some quick standings before I wrap it up. In the West, the top four, the Blazers, the Suns, the Jazz, and the Spurs, wrapped up by the Pelicans, Timberwolves, Nuggets, and the Grizzlies. Over to the Eastern Conference, the undefeated Bucks, 6-0 and at Cleveland, you know, Donovan Mitchell's a stud. They're playing really good basketball. They're, they're second at five and one. Celtics third, Raptors fourth, Hawks, Knicks five and six. And the Sixers and the Wizards wrapping up the top eight in the East. It's been a very entertaining first two weeks in the NBA, and I cannot wait for the rest of the season. But now let's go on to Ellis with some students. On to the MLS. It was the MLS semifinal, the Eastern Conference final and the Western Conference finals. You know, usually there's some upsets in the MLS playoffs. It's just the the, for, the way the format is run is that it's built for big upsets. Not this year because the West played, it was the one seed versus the two seed. And the East it was the one seed versus the three seed, but probably should have been the two seed anyway. So, and with the results were also not really, no real upsets. LAFC, Austin, you know, some people thought this up and coming team could hang with the juggernaut of LAFC. Um, no, LAFC blew them out of the water, three nothing. And they're going to the finals. They've been the best team all year. And then Philadelphia, New York City. This one was closer. So first half, both teams were still trying to figure itself out. It was kind of boring. And it's 0-0. Second half, New York City comes out hot. They score early goal. And then Andre Blake, who probably could play in, in the Premier League. He's that good of a goalie. He's an incredible goalie. New York City think they have a second goal in the 59th minute to make it 2-0. And Andre Blake pulls out a master save. 
parrying the ball away. And from there, after that save, it felt like the tide had shifted. Philadelphia scored three goals in 10 minutes and take a 3-1 lead, and they just hold that lead to the rest, meaning the finals will be LAFC versus Philadelphia on Saturday, November 5th. So the Philly sports fans must be going wild with the Phillies. I see the jokes coming from Fox's face. But the Phillies. Oh, yeah. The three juggernauts. The Phillies, the Eagles, and the football club. The Union. Hey, they had a sold-out crowd. Um, I mean, nobody's going to be at Citizens Bank Park. Where do they play? Uh, Sunday. Saturday. Saturday? Game 7 of the World Series? We don't need to watch that. Let's watch some Philadelphia soccer. I guarantee you it'll be sold out. Anyway, um, LFC versus Philadelphia Saturday, November 5th at 4 p.m. Should be electric. These are been the two best teams in the league for the whole season, pretty much. Which is, you rarely get that in the cup final again because of how many upsets there are. But this is the two best teams. LFC is slightly favored. But you never know with this Philadelphia team. That is MLS. We got more news to talk about, though, in the world of, in just my world of stupid shit. F1, they were at Mexico in the third to final race. The results are already in for the season, but there's still some jostling around for second and third and fourth positions. And with three races left, and the third race was just more of the same. Max Verstappen now number one, won the race easy. He obviously already won, clinched the, the title. But Lewis Hamilton, you know, he's had a good end-of-season run now. He set two straight second places that vault him into fifth in the championship. Perez third. Russell four and signs fifth. So let's go through some quick, the quick standings as the season wraps up two races left, uh, one, two weeks and a week and a half, I guess, or a week when this comes out rather. So in first place is Verstappen, 416 points, almost double second place Perez. That's how dominant he's been. Perez second, Leclerc is five points behind for third. So that's a big, and then Russell four, Hamilton fifth, signs six. They're all closely together. In last is Hulkenberg. Well, actually, doesn't really count. He's barely raced. Uh, it's really been Latifi who's been last. Constructors Cup, Red Bull is in first. Second is Ferrari, but Mercedes is catching up quick with two races left. They are in striking distance to take second place from them. Uh, would be a blow for Ferrari, who thought this year would be a big, you know, potentially they could win or make big progress. If Mercedes were to catch up, they would say the progress would not be made. But that is F. One, we're going to stay off the soccer world for the most part. We will talk about the Premier League because it was a great weekend. Uh, Marcus Rashford, I mean, maybe the maybe the nicest footballer out there. He scored his 100th Man United goal, happened to get them the win. Big for Man United, big for Marcus Rashford. Still only 24, I believe. Um, Arsenal having a, a great season. Well, they're probably their best since 2015, which is crazy. They won 5-0 versus the poor Nottingham Forests. And then it was other than that, it was a relative. Oh, no, I'm sorry, I forgot. Leeds United, the American, not actually American club, but led by an American, upsets Liverpool, who could struggles continue on an errant back pass to the goalie. Electric atmosphere, Jesse Marsh went crazy. And now the standings are as follows first, Arsenal, second, Man City, half a game back, Tottenham third, Newcastle fourth, Man United now all the way up to fifth, Chelsea sixth, Liverpool all the way in ninth. Poor for them. The bottom three are Nottingham Forest, Wolves, and Leicester City. That is the Premier League. And finally, real quick, right before I sign off on stupid shit, I have to say one thing. College basketball is around the corner. Most exciting time of the year for me. Hopefully for some of you too. I'm so excited. Rutgers basketball kicks off Monday. Most programs kick off Tuesday or Wednesday. And going to be an absolute electric factory. Self-plug, read my articles on the men's basketball team because I'll be covering them for the upcoming season. And if you're a Rutgers fan, if not, just gotta love yourself some college basketball. That is stupid with me. All right, let's move on. We're going to kick off our main segments and we'll start with poetry. We do not have Jeremy here today, but he did write some poetry for us. And Ellis is going to read the AFC uh, wouldn't be his first time co- copying someone else's work, but he is going to read Jeremy's poetry. Jeremy's poem. Once upon a midnight dreary, the Bucks pondered weak and weary against many a run and curious Jackson of forgotten lore. While Tom nodded, nearly napping, suddenly there came a tapping, as of likely quickly sprinting, sprinting for the end zone tour. Oh, I see what he did there. Tis some visitor, Bulls muttered, tapping at my end zone door. 
Lost this and nothing more. Ah, distinctly, I remember the bills in the bleak December and each team alone dying. Allen threw Rogers upon the floor. Mike Tomlin had wished the morrow. Family picket sought seeds to sow. From Eagles win, streak of sorrow. Sorrow for the lost dealers. For the rare and redundant old Colts who the angels name abhor. Nameless here forevermore. An excerpt from the Raven and now four. Two teams diverged in, ooh, he's copying on me and Juliet. Two teams diverged in a London wood and sorry I could not ignore both. The Broncos and Jaguars long I stood and the dry game took as long as it could to where the Broncos won and showing growth. I saw the Dolphins so much more fair and Tyreek perhaps the better claim because he was fast though Waddle here though as for that the passing there had warned them really about the same. And Carr that morning sinfully lay in fields touchdown had never seen. Oh, I'll stop Henry for another day. Yet knowing how he runs Titans plays, I doubted if the Texans ever come back. I shall be talking Jets with a sigh. Somewhere picks and picks hence. They passed the verge in a game they won. Jets took the road more traveled by. And that has made all the difference. That was very clever by Jeremy. He Some Shakespeare mixed with Robert Frost references. A little double treat for poetry well, critics. We know he's a genius. We know this is what he does. You ask him to do poetry, he's going to come through all right time for my poetry a lot of games a lot of, i felt like i was doing so many games and a lot of interconference games and not a single nfc team had a bye this week which i found interesting anyway the eagles played the steelers in the battle of Penn, and man do they miss the days of big ben aj brown has a day had a day for the ages Najee harris is not earning his wages the colts and the commanders in the wentz revenge game the product on the field however was quite lame a last-second TD gave Washington the win. Taylor's fantasy production should be a sin. Unlike Syracuse, the Giants actually went on the road, where their vaunted offense turned ice cold. Is it time to believe in Geno and the Hawks? Lockett and Metcalf give the defense chicken pox. Dak is back, and so is the Cowboys' offense. Me giving up on Schultz makes little sense. Tony Pollard is way better than fat-ass Zeke. CeeDee Lamb comes up huge every single week. The Falcons and the Panthers for first place in the South. That sentence just made me throw up in my mouth. Field goal misses gave the Falcons the dub, but DJ Moore ain't no scrub. Bowles versus Harbaugh in a laughable coaching mismatch. The Ravens ran all over with barely a scratch. Another game for the Bucks with less than three yards per carry. Maybe they could use a playmaker like Nikhil Harry. Oh, Josh McDaniels, what are we going to do? The Ra- Raiders came out looking like absolute poo. A single catch for Devontae Adams. Doesn't matter. My fantasy team is still a goddamn wagon. An explosive shootout between the Dolphins and the Lions. Tua and Hill had Detroit secondary crying. A hearty f*** you to Jamal Williams for going off after I traded him. Campbell makes me long for the days of Caldwell, Jim. The Bills and the Packers squared off under the lights. And hey, at least Green Bay put up a fight. But in the end, they don't have nearly enough weapons. Aaron Rodgers' Thanksgiving guest list is looking quite thin. D-Hop is back and the Cards offense is rolling, yet the, their defense can't stop folding. A loss to the Vikings dropped them to 3-5. and five. The Cliff Kingsbury era has taken an absolute nosedive. Finally, the Rams and the Niners in an NFC Championship rematch, and Christian McCaffrey looks like quite the snatch. Four total TDs for the newest RB. A Rams playoff run is becoming harder to see. All right, let's talk about these trades. I'll leave this segment. Ten Total trades were made today, the most ever in a single day in NFL history. We're also going to talk about some trades that were made in the past couple of days. So I'm just going to go through all of them, and then we could each pick out one that we want to talk about. Sounds good, guys? All right, so the big one, Christian McCaffrey went for the Panthers to the 49ers for a second, for a boatload of picks, though no first-rounders. Bradley Chubb to the Dolphins, a first-round pick was included. Calvin Ridley, Jacob's betting idol was traded to the Jaguars for a fifth and a sixth. Broquan Smith went to the Ravens for a second-round pick. TJ Hawkinson went to the Vikings for, I believe, a fourth-round pick. Tony went to the Chiefs for a third-round pick. Roman Quinn went to the Eagles for the third, another third-round pick. William Jackson went to the... Robert Quinn, not Roman Quinn. Oh, Roman Quinn. Ro- Phillies are on my mind. William Jackson went to the Steelers. He's going to get released by the Commanders anyway. Naheem Hines went to the Bills for Zach Moss at a sixth. Jeff Wilson, fantasy darling, he's now in Miami. James Robinson went to the Jets. Chase Edmonds went back in the Nick Chubb deal. Zach Moss, who I already mentioned. And Jacob Martin goes to the Broncos. Boys, what are we looking at? 
everyone say, oh, we'll start with Ellis. Ellis, which one of these trades really yeah, stands out? Give me the Bears trades because I just don't know what they're doing. Mm. It's, it's as simple as that. Because I actually, it's not true. I do understand what they're doing. I don't like it. Uh, that, that's what I want to say. To start off with, listen, Robert Quinn, that wasn't a bad idea because I like that trade. Yeah, I like it. He's a great player, but he was, he obviously didn't want to be there aging and they got good picks out of it. Peter under people undervalue day two and day three pick for sure. Getting rid of Rokon Smith and getting back Chase Claypool. I don't get that because I know you have to trade Rokon Smith because he was going to leave after this half year and you might as well capitalize on his value. And you got a second and a fifth, but then you got Chase Claypool for a second. So pretty much you traded away Roquan Smith for Chase Claypool in a fifth. Roquan Smith is one of the best linebackers in the league, especially at coverage. Chase Claypool, I mean, yeah, there's the talent there. It's still there, right? People used to call him Mini Megatron, but he has done jack and he's shown immaturity and like, I don't know if they're going to if Chase Claypool is going to be who they want them to be, which is a, their a number one receiver. Because why couldn't he beat on the Steelers? I mean, yeah, maybe you could say Big Ben. He didn't have the QBs, but George Pickens was doing pretty good. DeAndre Johnson up until this year was doing pretty good. So maybe I'm wrong, and maybe Fields unlock and Fields and Eberflus unlock him. But I just don't see it. I see it as you just got. I rather I rather you have kept Roquan. I rather the Bears have kept Roquan Smith for half that year. And not take Claypool would have been better for the team. Now you have, now you, I just don't, I just don't get what they're doing here. Why they got? I just don't. There's no need for Claypool. That's really my issue. The Rokon Smith trade was pretty good. I thought they got. I thought they could have gotten a little more for him, to be honest. But I get it. He's on a rental, so I thought overall it was pretty good. But then, yeah, I guess, I guess I do understand where the Bears are going. But Claypool, remember, Amari Cooper was taken for a fifth round pick. Obviously, contracts are different, but. Amari Cooper is way better than Chase Claypool. They just paid a second for it, so I just don't get it. Well, if only Chase Claypool got to play uh, Todd Bowles every week, he put up seven for 96 with a touchdown. The only defensive got this mastermind of Todd Bowles couldn't finish, figure out how to stop Chase Claypool. Jacob, right, your thoughts? I'll go next. Yeah, I'm gonna, I actually I, – I love the Claypool trade for the for the Bears. I do like it. I think I think Fields, is, he's shown a lot of progression in the past few weeks. And I think having a big body like Claypool can really help him. But for my first... I know a lot about big body receivers. Throwing a Jake up, like, it really, really helps. It's helpful, right? Yeah, just throw it yeah. up there. Let the big man... Go. Get the cookies at the top shelf where the kids can't reach it. it. Yeah, but um, in terms of this trade deadline, obviously, I'm not going to talk about McCaffrey because we all know that one's, that's a great trade. It's going to work out for the Niners. But uh, I'm going to talk about Bradley Chubb. And, and oh, Riz- I want to talk about him. Whatever. But uh, you, you can still... Stay some stuff, but uh, Bradley Chubb, oh, great young player, 26 years old from Denver. This Miami team is good, they're scary. And uh, having another great uh, exterior rusher like Bradley Chubb already going in with a good D line with Christian Wilkins, Emmanuel Ogba, the, the rookie Jalen Phillips from Miami, and Melvin Ingram. And they have pretty, they have a pretty decent secondary. I think that really, really, really helps the Dolphins defense out a lot. And they have struggled quite a bit this year, especially to slow down the run. And uh, obviously, he'll give you some pass rush. I also really like the Jeff Wilson move to Miami. Uh, obviously, they're losing um, Edmonds. So they, it's, it's a yeah, now. great call, Fantasy Footballers Podcast, telling Commit- me to draft Edmonds. Committee committee with um, now Jeff Wilson and Raheem Mostert. The power back and a speed back, it should work out pretty well there. And I know Ridley's not going to play at all this year, but I really do like the move for the Jaguars. We've seen in the past, we've seen quarterbacks struggle. And then when they get that number one receiver, they just shoot up. We've seen it. We've seen it with um, I don't know who we've seen. It. We've seen it with a bunch of guys. We saw it with Josh, Josh Allen. Allen. We yeah. saw it with Josh Allen. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think obviously Ridley's not playing at all this year. But for next year, they're going to extend him. Obviously, otherwise they wouldn't have traded for him. And they he got him for a day three pick. It was exactly, cheap. Yeah. And, Two day um, three picks. But yeah, yeah, your point. But yeah, um, he was he had twelve hundred yards last year. He's a he's a good receiver when he plays. And it's just unfortunate circumstances, I guess, that he uh he got suspended for the whole year for putting fifteen hundred bucks on. It's kind of funny the Falcons to beat the to beat the Jaguars actually, and now he's on the Jaguars. But uh, yeah, definitely like both of those moves for those teams. T.J. Hawkinson also a good move for the Lions. He's a free agent at the end of this year. But yeah, that's it. I think Bradley Chubb and uh, and Ridley are both great signings. Are both both great trades, and um, I think they're going to be immediate impact players. Obviously, Ridley next year, but Chubb will be a, a, a week one impact player. 
for this Dolphins defense. I totally agree. I also want to mention one quick thing about Jeff Wilson. You know, sometimes you worry with trade deadlines. Will this person get the scheme, right? You even saw Christian McCaffrey took him a week. Um, Obviously, he was fine. No one was worried about Christian McCaffrey, but other lesser players, like, people are still worried about James Robinson because the scheme is so different from Jacksonville to the New York Jets. Jeff Wilson, this is the same exact scheme Kyle Shanahan runs. He probably doesn't even need much practice to get accommodated with the scheme that um, Mike McDaniels is running. He can jump right in there. And it's really good, too, because Raheem Mostert's so good, but he can't be a workhorse. He always gets injured every time he becomes a workhorse. And now Jeff Wilson's going to be involved. And let's be honest, he's better than Chase Edmonds. So, yeah, good move all around by Miami. Can I say absolute cardio done by the Fantasy Footballers podcast? Telling us to draft Mike Williams, Allen Robinson, and Chase Edmonds, and to stay away from Josh Jacobs. Good Mike job. Mike Williams was good. All right, but my point still stands. Does Mike not? Williams. Yeah, I don't. Josh I don't even Jacobs. know why you guys. I don't really know why you guys listen to that, that podcast. I just do all my own research, and it always works out. Josh Jacobs. Hey, that Josh podcast has three analysts that are rated top ten pretty much every single year. No, it's a good podcast. They just had a rough episode. Well, I'm rated top two, and I'm not number two. So. <laughs> Jesus Christ, Jacob. Also, Josh Jacobs, real quick, not to defend them, but Josh Jacobs, they did have a guy on the show hyping him up. No, I specifically remember that they were like concerned that the Raiders seemed to not like, um, yeah, but then, but then then Borland said he wasn't concerned, he thinks Josh Jacobs is gonna win the job. Anyway, go on. All right, I want to talk about TJ Hawkinson because I feel like because it happened in the early morning, it's not being talked about enough, but. He's probably the best skill position player. You count tight ends as skill positions moved at this de- deadline. He is a top seven or eight or so tight end, you know, and he's got Jared Goff throwing to him. Now you get Kirk Cousins, who is it a very efficient passer and a day that Ir- to go out and get a player of Hawkinson's caliber. Oh, the day that Irv Smith goes out to go out and get TJ Hawkinson is so huge. And to think like Jefferson has kind of slowed down in the past couple of weeks. Thielen hasn't had the best season. This is going to make those two guys better. And Hawkinson is a great blocking tight end, open up stuff for Dalvin Cook, and of course, helping out Kirk Cousins. The Vikings needed a move to help them. I don't view them with the Eagles and the 49ers before this. Now they might be on the same page. I wanted to discuss Kadarius Tony real quick because that move has potential to be incredible. I mean, I was I was shopping Kadarius Tony for a fourth rounder. I was about to trade him for a fourth rounder. Then I see the news. Thank God it came in time because now I'm keeping him. But regardless of fantasy, I mean, we saw what Kadarius Tony can do with the ball in his hands. I was listening to a podcast and they're like, this might be like Tyreek Hill. Like he's the closest player in the league with Tyreek Hill potential is the point. Extremely fast, great juke moves. He might have better juke moves than Tyreek Hill. Might have the best juke moves in the league. But the Chiefs now get him. Andy Reid can scheme this so well that Kadarius Tony, if he's healthy, can play the Tyreek Hill role. That this can be, and they got him for pretty cheap. This can be scary. Let's move on to the main crux of the podcast, and that is our NBA. You know, we started doing good, the bad, and the fantasy for football. We're going to do it for the NBA. We're going to do the good, the bad, and the MVP. So we're going to go around saying who's been good so far this season, who's been bad, and uh, who's been uh, the MVP or one of the MVPs. So uh, we'll do this every couple weeks, you know, just to check in because we talk a lot of football. Check in on our basketball because we're all huge, huge basketball fans watching every single night without any any sort of break. I I know I am. Okay, cool. Nice flex. Jacob, since you're the biggest basketball fan, you want to go first with your good? Yeah, so first off, I'm going to start off with Brooke Lopez, and he's currently leading all centers in blocks per game and three-point field goal percentage, shooting 30, 36% from the from three, 48 from the field, and he's averaging three and a half blocks per game. Just incredible. And I think he's 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 seven three. He's making threes. He's really underrated. And um, he's been a very, very solid piece for that Bucks team. My other good is the Cleveland Cavaliers. They're five and one, second in the Eastern Conference. And Donovan Mitchell's been worth every penny for that trade, averaging 32 points per game, seven seven assists, five steals. Mobley's been fantastic, averaging over a steal and a block a game, 16 points. Levert dropped 41 points one night, had zero points the next night. But uh, this team is really good. They've got eight people averaging over 10 points per game. And uh, they're a force in the East. They're a scary team. 
And uh, I really like the rest of the season, the output for the, that, this, that this Cleveland team can put out. All right, I'll go next. I got the good. I feel like it's obvious. It's the Trailblazers. They sit first in the West. No one believed in them. Last year, they had a horrible season. Uh, trade Ended up trading away McCollum. Lillard had his worst season as a pro. Well, this year, they're back for a lot of vengeance. Lillard having his one of his better season, starts to season ever, averaging 31 a night. He could have easily been in this MVP conversation with 31, 5, and 5. And, you know, the supporting pieces, they're starting to come together. Everyone talked a long time when he was drafted about the potential of Anthony Simons. Well, as good as McCollum has been, Simons hasn't been that much worse. He's finally reaching his full potential, averaging 20.5 points per night on efficient shooting splits. Jeremiah Grant's been his solid self. A healthy Nurkic has been very good as per usual. Josh Hart's playing out of his mind. And Shane Sharp has been a spark plug off the bench at times. Uh, the rookie, of course, he might have been the first pick if he played in college, not for injuries. So we know his potential. Listen, this has got some good pieces. Do I think they're a number one seed? No. But I think they could surprise people if Nurkic is able to stay healthy. I think this team can really surprise people. Props to them. I always root for, I always root for uh, the Trailblazers, partly because I like small market basketball. But also, Dame is my favorite player in the NBA. But regardless, like, good for them. Well, I just have one thing to say. You like Jazz? Because this Jazz team... Five and two, expected to be at the top or the bottom, I guess, if you want to put it like that, of the lottery. And look at them now. Look at them now. This team, is it sustainable? That's the real question. Every single game has been that they've won has been close. Haven't really faced any juggernauts yet. But there's makings of at least a competent basketball team. Colin Sexton, 24 years old. Not he's not going to be Donovan Mitchell, but he's a very solid player. Laurie Markinen, 22 and a half points per game. How about that? Jordan Clarkson is having a good start. They still have the veterans of Mike Connolly and Celtics legend Kelly Olynyk. Jared Vanderbilt, only 23 years old, coming over in the Timberwolves trade. You know, this team, they're not five and two. Like, they're not going to win five out of every seven games. They're not going to be at the top of the Western Conference, but it looks competent. They play together. They share the ball. They play fundamentally good basketball. You know, who knows? Maybe they could sneak into a little playoff spot here. I mean, it's not as bad as we thought it was going to be. That's for sure. All right. Speaking of bad as we thought it was going to be, let's move on to the bad. This time we'll let Dan, we'll wrap around with Dan again, talking about his bad. Yeah, my bad is the Miami Heat off to a 2-5 in five start. And think about the Heat. This is a veteran team. It's an old team, a team that relies on low-scoring, defensive, physical basketball. And after a grueling playoff run where they came one game short of the playoffs, it just looks like they're tired. It looks like they're slow. Lowry's not having a good season. Butler's not off to a hot start. To look at this team right now, and obviously they're well-coached. Obviously they have a lot of depth. But to look at this team and say they could compete with the Bucks or the Celtics is – it doesn't look like that right now. Things can change, but it just looks like last postseason's taking a toll. All right, I'll go next with my bat with my bad. And I'm just gonna go, it's gonna be quick. It's the Brooklyn Nets. And they're mm. two and five. They're 12th in the Eastern Conference. Durant and Kyrie are playing their asses off. They're both averaging over 30 points per game. Kyrie, though, he's a prick. You know, Ben Simmons, obviously, we know that's not working out. He's averaging six points and seven, seven assists a game. And they just um, this team just struggles. They struggle when Durant and Kyrie aren't on, which is very rare. They struggle. They struggle to get rebounds. They struggle defensively big time. And they they're just the lost worst. to the bill uh, the Bolts. Yeah, without right Zach Levine, they're one of the worst defensive teams in the league. David Duke is their fourth leading scorer. Claxton's their third leading scorer. This team needs help, and they need help fast. And um, getting rid of Nash is definitely a good start. And I think Udoka definitely helps this team. But um, as I said on our NBA preview episode. I think the Nets are going to struggle this year. They'll make the playoffs, but they're not going to be above a six seed. All right, but yeah, as, as I said, the Nets are going to struggle. And uh, yeah, Ellis, onto your bed. Yeah, I got the other big market team. That is the Lakers. And man, it's rough out there for the Lake show. I mean, defensively, they've been great. They've been great defensively, one of the best teams. And it's really one thing that they're bad at that is sinking. LeBron. Them. Shooting. Mm. They have been horrible. And especially three-point shooting. I mean... It's been bad out there. I, let, let me let me enlighten you a little bit. Other than Max Christie, he's only taken two three-point shots. He's 100%. And Matt Ryan, who barely takes three-point shots either. Austin Reeves, 
47%. Great. Next best one, Troy Brown, Kendrick Nunn, LeBron James at 26. Everyone else is under 30%. They cannot shoot the ball. Field goal percentage is as bad. Um, obviously, it's a little better because field goal percentage is always a little better. But in terms of like league average, it's bad. LeBron still showing that he can pretty much play, make, facilitate, but his shooting's been off early on. Um, not the greatest. And let's just face it. It's kind of sad. You see all these players get old. These are people we grew up with. LeBron, Rodgers, Brady. They can no longer carry teams. Like, these are players we grew up with. They can no longer carry teams. I don't think it's that controversial. Say LeBron, you know, he's trying to preserve his little body a little bit. He wants to play with his son. It's very admirable. But he can't carry this team night in, night out. Someone's going to have to step up with him for shooting. Now, you, you expect some of it to get better, right? Because Kendrick Nunn should shoot better than 27%. Lonnie Walker should shoot better than 22%. Even Ross. Ross should shoot better than 20% from three. Like, it should get a little better, and they should win more games. But, because especially since their defense is solid, Ham has really figured out their defense. But, I mean, man, it's hard to watch this Lakers. They're building a brick house. On Hold That Thought, the TV show I'm on, we discussed who's most at fault for the Lakers' demise. And I said it's LeBron James. Not only does he have the worst field goal percentage since his rookie year and the worst three-point shooting percentage of, of his career. He's the one who engineered this team. He forced the trade of Lonzo Ball and Brandon Ingram, two all-star caliber players, for Anthony Davis. And yes, that worked out to win the title, but now it shows up in their lack of depth. He's the one who wanted to go out and get Russell Westbrook. So a lot of the fault of this construction of his team comes from LeBron's puppeteering. Russell Westbrook, I'll give you. I still think you give LeBron way too much credit in how he constructs the team. But Anthony Davis is silly because they won that trade. Lonzo Ball. He's the, no, he says you got to get this guy or this guy. He doesn't make every single move, but when he wants a guy, they go out and get it. And but, he doesn't want to work with young player. Like, but it's true. He doesn't. But, I know that's true. But Anthony Davis, right? Like, that was a good. That was a good trade for LeBron. And the, no, no, I, I said that. But I'm saying now you're starting to see the. Um, you know, the negatives of it, the positives are you went out and won a championship. The negative is two years later when Anthony Davis is on the decline and you have no depth, it would help to have Brandon Ingram and Lonzo Ball. That's I will say talking. that it isn't LeBron's fault that, like, they should have traded for Buddy Heald, right? LeBron, even in his prime, always needed good shooters around him, right? And they just don't have that. They got a little better with Lonnie Walker and Kendrick Nunn, who've been particularly bad this year. And yeah, I will fault Russell Westbrook on LeBron, Russell Westbrook. Everyone could see that coming. But it is, listen, whatever. There's, there's no point discussing this. Let's move on to the MVP. I'll go first this time. And I just got an obvious one. I put in my picks first, so I got the most one I think we would have all done if they hadn't seen me take it. And that is Luka Doncic. I mean, math team arguably gets less talented, maybe more well-rounded, but losing Jalen Brunson, their second best player, less talented. Luka Doncic says, I do not care because he will carry this team on his own. Yeah, they're three and three, which isn't great. But I mean, Luka's doing it all himself. It is incredible. Right now, this season, he is averaging 36.7 points a game. Nuts. 1.7 steals, 8.7 assists, 9.5 true rebounds. In terms of stat sheet, he is a hack. In terms of fantasy, he is a hack. Like, that's nuts. He's almost averaging a 37-point triple-double. We haven't seen that. That's fantasy nuts. footballers would probably say, don't draft him. Don't draft him. <laughs> oh, man. No, you found it out of me. But, um, no, this is – we wouldn't even be talking about MVP two weeks in if Giannis also hasn't been unreal. But 30, almost 37 points and almost a triple-double with almost two steals a game, I, I think it's hard to comprehend how good he's been. And he's worked on his fitness on the offseason. A lot of criticism last year was in the fourth quarter. He was bad. He was bad in fourth quarters of games last year. He was dominant for three. This year, every quarter, pure domination. You cannot stop him. And you got to think about it too. This team is filled with shooters, but no real other ball handlers anymore. So the whole defense is keying in on this dude. And he's still dropping 37. Like, I know this is unsustainable, but I just, my mind's blown. Well, I want to talk about the other key MVP candidate, and that is Giannis Antetokounmpo. It tells you how good Luka Doncic has been, that this is arguably the best we have seen Giannis, and Ellis still picks Luka Doncic. But 
Giannis is averaging a career-high 33.8 points per game. Yes, I know it's early, but we're just talking about so far. 13 rebounds, 5 assists, almost 2 blocks, 59% from the field. He is just such... This might be prime Giannis. This might be better than we've ever seen him before. If he can stay healthy, this is going to be an all-time NBA MVP race. Do you take the volume of Luka Doncic with just versus the overpower, the sort of um, trying to think of the word, the unguardableness, I guess, the unstoppableness of Giannis Antetokounmpo, who could just take over a game at any point? It's going to be interesting, but Giannis has had an incredible start to the season. All right, I'll go real quick. And I took this a different way. I'm not going to choose an actual MVP candidate. But if I were, then I'll shout out John Moran. 33 points a game, six assists, five boards, shooting 55% from the field and 65% from three. But uh, I'm just going to mention two other two other quick players. Their team's not doing well. They're three and five. But the jumps I've seen, especially Tyrese Halliburton, 22 points a game, almost 10 assists, five boards, shooting 45% from three, 49% from the field, averaging almost two steals. He's a walking bucket. Thank you, Ellis. He's insane. Other, other pacer who's a stud in the making. He's a rookie. Benedict Matherin, averaging 20 points a game, shooting 43% from three, 45 from the field. And um, this Pacers team, they're obviously, they're far from contending, but they look like they've got a back a backcourt that is set for the future in terms of Matherin, and uh, Mather and Halliburton, Buddy Heald's been a bucket. And this Pacers team, they're fun to watch. They're electric, they're fun, they're fast, they're young. And uh, they're going to be an exciting team to watch for the rest of the year. All right, yeah, I mean, also great defensively. Those have been our MVPs, good and bads. And Jacob, I heard you have a stat tracker. I don't even know what yeah, it is. But... I got a quick, oh, quick, no. quick stat track. And it's, we're going over to the NBA. We got two players, and uh, I'll start off their their points, their field goal percentage, and all that. Uh, first, player number one, 26.1 points per game, 9.6 rebounds, 7.5 assists, 47% from the field, 39 from three, 72 from the field. Player two, 27.2 points, 9.5 rebounds, 3.3 assists, 53% from the field, 30 from three, and 78 from the free throw line. Is one Jokic? Nope, they're both. Jokic? Nope, neither of them are Jokic. Is one of them Tatum? No. Is Good. is one of them Brandon Ingram? Because these guys are very similar. No, both players are in the Eastern Conference. Okay, okay. Jimmy they're Butler. All, they're also both in the same division. Mm. Wait, I think. Let me just confirm that. Both these guys put up triple doubles, but one's James one. Harden. Nope. Well, that was a good guess. That was a really good guess. Um, Chris Middleton. Uh, no. Uh, Bradley Beal. Nope. Just think, wow. these guys are both averaging over nine rebounds a game. Yeah, I can. Uh, what division? Um, I can tell you that in a second. No, no, don't tell me. Don't tell me. Is one of them Cade? Nope. You've got me. Is it one of them? Is it oh. one of them? Th- oh, Tyrese, no. or is it someone? Is yeah. It someone no. Else? All right. What what division? They're both in the Atlantic Eastern Conference. Oh. Can't be a Nick. Is it Julius? Nope. No, he isn't that good. Oh. Are they both power forwards? Power forward slash center. One of them is more of a center. Joel Embiid. Player, player two is Embiid. Is Embiid? Embiid's averaging how many? Player one is like Mitchell Robinson or somebody. No, player player two is Joel Embiid. Wait, he's averaging how many assists again? Player one, 7.4. Two, though. How much is Embiid averaging? Embiid is averaging 3.3 assists. It's more than I'd expect, but I guess. So. Oh, is it um Pascal? It is Pascal Siakam. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, Good so stat very, track, Jacob. Didn't ruffle any feathers. I feel like I feel like stat track has got into a point where all we do, try and do is ruffle the other person's feathers. <laughs> I know feathers just... were ruffled in this stat track, but let's see if there's some ruffled feathers in ML in predictions. So week seven standings are not out yet because we still got Phillies versus Astros, the World Series, and the tiebreaker too is in that game. Though me, Dan, and Jeremy all picked the same tiebreaker. So it didn't work out exactly. But in terms right now, uh, me, Jacob, and Jeremy all got three out of five, and Dan's at two out of five. So we'll see how that turns out. So I think that puts, that puts me into second place now overall. No, I think Jeremy's tied with you. Maybe not. No, you're right. You're right. Yeah. So stay tuned for our Twitter when the World Series ends to see those drop. We got three weeks left, and we got six good predictions for you. Let's start in the NBA Bulls, Raptors. Wow. Raptors sweep. I'll, I'll start why I had them, though. I didn't expect it to be a sweep. I originally had the Bulls. 
Blissom. The Raptors have kind of been their normal self. Efficient, play competent basketball. Ron Harper Jr. got some minutes. That was nice to see. Efficient, competent basketball. And the Bulls, they started a little slow, even though they're only two games back of the Raptors. But they started a little slow. Levine is a bit banged up. But the reason I got Raptors mostly is because it's home. And that home crowd is always rocking. All right, Pelicans-Hawks. Another almost sweep. Everyone's got Hawks, but I got the Pelicans. And someone explain why they got the Hawks. Yeah, um, I think this was a really hard pick for me because I really do like the Pelicans this year. I picked them against the Clippers. Zion and Ingram are electric. That's an electric New Orleans team. But um, I think the Pelicans are really going to struggle against the Hawks because the Hawks are such a good three-point team. They're a guard-heavy team. And John Collins has the height and the size not to lock down Zion, but to contest against Zion better than most teams are able to. Capella is a great interior blocker, averaging two blocks a game. And this Hawks team is very good defensively, very good shooting. I think it's going to be an excellent game, but I just have the Hawks edging this one out. Yeah, I see Zion. I don't see – I mean, I know Clint Capella is good, but I think Zion is just Zion. He bullies his way inside. Ingram's going to get his. This I just think this Pelicans team is better than this Hawks team. Close. They're close records, but also some loyalty. I picked the Pelicans last week, and they won me – uh, they won me the week. Um, I felt I felt confident about this team. I really like the Pelicans. I want that to show in my predictions. I think the Pelicans team is better than the Hawks, even though the Hawks are at home. Let's go to our football slate. Chargers versus the first place Falcons. I mean, <laughs> we all got Chargers. I think you have to just talent disparity-wise. But listen, this could be an upset if the Chargers don't have any of their receivers. Oh, absolutely. Uh, I, well, they're going to have Keaton Allen, right? Because he played. No, he didn't practice Monday. This dude's killing me. Oh, dude, it does, he does it every year. I'm going to channel our, both of our Halloween costumes. He can't keep getting away with this. He dupes us every year. He says he's healthy, and then, boom, right when you need him, hamstring. Uh, I mean, that's true, but the Chargers still have a lot of uh, depth with Palmer and Carter. Palmer might not play. He has a concussion. Oh, then I got to pick up DeAndre Carter. Anyway, but – they still have the man, the myth, the legend, Austin Eckler. They still have Herbert, who is better than Mariota. They still have playmakers on defense. And this Falcons team just really, it, it's its not that good. No, they're not good. Um, they're playing well. They probably should have beat, they could have beat the Bucs too, if not for a bad call. Seahawks Cardinals at 425. We all got Seattle. Listen, I, I, will, I will do the Switch shit. it up! I'm taking Arizona! Are what? You ready? Who could have seen this guy? I think the Cardinals are just a different team now that DeAndre Hopkins is back and they're getting Rondell Moore ways to find him the football. James Conner will be back. And I just don't think the Seahawks are as real as everyone says they are. Let's see them go on the road and beat a pretty decent team. I don't think they're going to do it. I got the Cardinals. Let's go. And I do, I do worry this is a trap game, which I was just about to say before Dan went into and decided it would be a trap game. At the end of the day, this Cardinals team are still incompetent. Yeah, their offense is a little better. Their defense is still shot, dealing with many injuries. For as much as we've been talking about the Seahawks' resurgent offense, right, which no one saw coming, this defense slowly has become a top-half defense after a horrible first four weeks where they might have been the worst defense passing defense in the league. Now they're putting up good defensive numbers. It's a very young unit coming together. I think they hold off the Cardinals just enough. And they win this game. I never pick against, I never picked Cliff Kingsbury to win. Though this does seem like a little trap game to me. But I, I, I really think the resurgence of the defense is what's going to help the Seahawks win. Mixed with the Cardinals banged up already bad offense. I just think, you know, even though I don't like picking games that I believe are trap games. Just because they might be a trap game. Because, because I just think the Seahawks are a better team. All right. Rams, Buccaneers, 425 game, Dan. Go ahead, give the bucks. Well, here comes the cloud makeup because I'm putting my faith in Todd Bowles again. Let's go put on the little clown ears. Here we go again. Look, as much of a mess as this Bucks team is, the Rams might be equally as a mess, especially if Cooper Cup is limited. I mean, he has a swollen ankle. He's all about quickness and cuts. And other than that, it's Allen Robinson, that other white guy, I don't know his name, Tyler Higby, who's hurt every single week. They have no running game. This is going to be ugly. But the Bucs have a long week. I know Todd Bowles didn't pick up a piece of his playbook the entire weekend. But regardless, I think they'll find a way to win. Yeah, um, I probably would have picked the Bucs until Barrett's out. 
in the end, this is two bad offensive lines, and who's got a better pass rush? And the inside, I mean, I don't think the Buccaneers can run the ball at Aaron Donald alone. Um, yeah. That's going to be You go issue. five on one, and Fournette would get two yards. Brady's going to get pressured to all hell. He'll make two highlight throws that Dan will repost on Twitter, and the rest will be bad because he's scared. And then, and then, yeah, I mean, the Bucs will also create pressure, but not as much because Barrett, their best, their best on the D line is out for the year. So let's see if Todd Bowles learns to cover Cooper Cup because he couldn't figure it out in the divisional round. But who could have seen that coming? Cooper Cup having a, uh, you know, making big catches like you know Todd Bowles. You can't blame him for that. But uh, maybe they'll maybe he'll wise up and realize Cooper Cup's pretty good. No, but yeah, I I think the Rams squeak out a low scoring game. Let's say 2013 Rams. I just don't think Bucks can create any offense right now. Titans Chiefs. No, these are the two. I put this team because these are the two best teams in the AFC, I believe, right now. But uh, the Bills. Yeah, the Bills uh, are way better. Two and three. Two and three. I'm talking about record wise though. Two and three. Um, but right now I forgot about the Bills. But right now we all got the Chiefs. This Titans defense is not great, and I think the Chiefs will pass all over them, and. The Titans can definitely get some on the running game. I think it'll be closer than it, than than people suspect. Like I'd I'd probably bet Titans money line, but but I'm picking Chiefs to win outright. We all got Chiefs. We all, this week was a bit of stat padding. That's okay. It's okay. Not a lot to play. We for. needed it. We needed it. Well, I I was the contrary. Dan needed it. All right. With that, I think that is all. Yeah, that is all. Let's wrap up this podcast. A fun one as they all are. Next week we'll go back to analyzing some football. So stay tuned for that. Uh, hope you guys had a good Halloween. Uh, mine was a lot of fun. Hope yours was too. Throw your own podcast using Buzzsprout today. It's a great hosting platform site for you to use. Very easy, accessible. Puts it on all the major platforms of hosting. That is Buzzsprout. Uh, and you can get the free plan or premium plan. Premium plan comes with an Amazon gift card and some other perks, more time, all that other stuff. But we love Buzzsprout. You guys probably will too. Uh, listen to our own podcast. Gotta plug ourselves at Who's on Top? WHO, Pospia, Space on One, Space TOP. We are everywhere but Amazon, but of course our main ones are Spotify, Apple Podcasts. Turn on notifications. We usually post on weekends, but you never know. Usually Sunday mornings or Saturday mornings. But like last week was Sunday afternoon. So turn on notifications. Follow the podcast. Like the episode. We really appreciate your support always. Get us to 5,000 views. Let's do that. And leave a rating and a review. We always appreciate them. Hopefully it's positive. Maybe it's not. But we always appreciate them regardless. So leave a rating and a review. Social media. We're on Twitter and Instagram. Both at capital W. The rest lowercase. The rest lowercase. O-T dot P-O-D-C-A-S-T. Uh, Twitter. We post highlights of the episode. We always post when the new episode's out. Polls sometimes. Thoughts of games. Sometimes if we are a predictions game. We'll live tweet that game. And of course, speaking of the predictions games, you always know the standings. We post the live updates of them as they come, as we're in round four right now, week eight. Instagram, oh, and the links in our bio for the podcast. Instagram, same thing, links in our bio for our podcast. There you post questions, polls, we're interactive on our stories. You can see our past polls, see our Hall of Fames, Hall of Shames. Also posting, we also post the fun face shops. Also highlights of the episode, and you always know when the new episode's out, so that's our Instagram and Twitter again at wot.podcast, uh, Spotify, uh, Apple Music, wherever you listen to your podcast, and who's on top of the WHO podcast, Space LN, Space TOP. All right. Have a great week. Stay safe, stay healthy. Hope you enjoy the podcast. And goodbye. Mm-hmm. Goodbye.